0: Sambhutasa Bhagavatu Arahadur Summa Sambhutasana Murtasa Bhagavatu Arahadur Summa Sambhutasana Murtasa Bhagavatu Arahadur Summa Sambhutasana apārūtā parta de sang a ye This is the uh, last day of the month, 28th of February, and two months of winter's retreat have passed, so what's the result? And then this year, extending it uh, through uh, the first 20 days of March. Is this extra time? And uh, we have a very good support from the lay lay people who've come here to cook and do all the necessary things uh, to support all of us in our practice. I mean, it's very good. Uh, Everything uh, has a very positive feeling to it. The people that that come to support, this is something that uh, is a very, uh, much appreciated because, uh, in a non-Buddhist country like this, we, um, we don't, you know, I first came, I didn't know what, what to expect. You know, how, how one could survive, uh, keeping Vinaya as an alms mendicant in a country that uh, is, uh, there's very few Buddhists. But then, uh, that has never really been a problem. The, the requisites and the necessities have been always quite plentiful. And then for those who've taken... Uh, the Vow, brahmacharya vows, and the bhikkhu training, and the thiladara training, and this is a strong commitment to uh, to uh, life celibacy and to uh, practice of meditation. And so this, this is a special uh, here. In the winter time in Europe is uh, is very ideal. I think although it's considered it probably one of the best situations for an informal practice that I've ever encountered break down the assumptions and the conditioning of the mind. Uh, this is the emphasis the Buddha made to to uh, contemplate, investigate experience and the attitudes we have, the cultural conditioning that we have and the sense of ourself until till we see it in terms of what it really is. Uh, in terms of just a, a condition arising and ceasing rather than a, a perception that has any real substance and and real uh, lasting uh, kind of quality, any core, any heart, any soul to it. So that the, uh, like the contemplation of impermanence of anicca and Dukkha, nata uh, an ongoing challenge to keep, not, not to keep observing the changingness in the present of, of emotion or thought, of experience of what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think. Because the refuge is in that pure awareness, uh, the watching, the knowing. Uh, the gate to the deathless, the timeless uh, ability to, to observe and uh, reflect and, and, and investigate experience in the present. So in terms of uh, theory and you know, all, that's quite easy to, to uh, understand it, but to apply it, that takes, <clears throat> there's so many uh, powerful conditions that uh, easily uh, overwhelm the mind so that uh, we forget all the time, the, the urgencies of the world, the uh, personal feelings, the uh, the relationships, the material conditions, even just the weather or the, or, or even rather insignificant things can assume great significance. So that's what, where this uh, mindfulness is, kind of cont- determination to keep uh, that attention on the present. Until it it sticks, you know. Like you say, the once you realize the supernal and you stick to it. So that, like, if you don't realize, if you don't have that realization of the ultimate of the deathless, then then you have nothing to stick to. You're just kind of plowing around with the the condition. And uh, the sticking is like, like, it's not like grasping, is it? But it's, yeah, because grasping is done out of ignorance and uh, desire. But this uh, determination, strong determination to, to, and faith and willingness to keep bringing yourself back into the present until the mind, actually you feel this sense of resting in the, in the supernal, or the uh, deathless. As it is a natural state. It's not a created state that uh, that depends on things. That it's it's not noticed, not realised usually. Uh, moments, maybe mystical experience, or moments of of oneness in in, odd, uh, in maybe in, in the rare. Where conditions are in period, in moments of our life. So we intuitively kind of know or recognize it. But then the the powerful condition of the mind is is forever uh, coming back on us. The emotional habits, very, very convincing, very very uh, uh, overwhelming, so that the, the a long retreat like this uh, in winter time, hopefully you're you're getting some more confidence in in uh, say the practice of. Uh, uh, and don't we even look at it. Practice, could even that becomes a another kind of uh, thing we may, we can make into something we have to do. It's it's, uh, it's an attitude of trust and of relaxation, of attention. Like we were at the morning meeting, discussing that about the the uh, to, because we we oftentimes do have this uh, tendency to compulsive to, to make everything into a kind of compulsive obsessive behavior, where we get uh, we get whirled away by the by this sense of having or must or should that that uh, that creates uh, a lot of this tension that we experience in meditation. But that's not what Buddhist teaches it about. It's not. To, it's not based on on imperatives and on on intimidation, but it's based on uh, a, a, a willingness to uh, like a humble willingness to pay attention to the flow of experience in the present. So how do you do that? Can you do it if you if you if you grasp the idea and then you. Yeah, I've got to pay attention, I've got to be mindful. Is that very uh, idea of I'm somebody who's got to be mindful and do this, the, the grasping of that idea is uh, will bring this stress and this, this sense of me and increase the sense of self. So you've got to recognise the limitation of language that it uh, that it does that it's it's based on dualism and it's about conditions about the condition world. in language also very much comes, you know, the function of the mind that uh, that we that we acquire through through not through wisdom or understanding of Dhamma, but through the avitya, or through ignorance. Uh, so learning to use language in a different way like in dhamma language and uh, learning uh, your own character what kind of particular tendencies you have character traits uh, that you that you uh, that uh, that you can recognize how to how to uh use those traits for practice Basically it's very simple in that it's to pay attention, pay attention. <laughs> uh, so, so say the practice is, you know, you, you make it more complicated, give it a technique and you get it into Satipatthana and and then into various stages of ana, sixteen stages of anupana sati before you get into Vipassana and, and, uh, you, you get, you know, various uh, techniques uh, of uh, vipassana one can develop because uh, the the mind, the thinking mind does want to organize and, and make it into uh, you know, we, we're quite used to complicated things to plans and stages and hierarchies and and you know we we like order in the sense of want to want to have a have a recipe or have a have a, a plan laid out in front of us a map. But when you're actually recognizing the deathless, there's no map necessary. It's a matter of awakening to the deathless. Matter of just waking up. It's not a, you can't plan that, can you? How can you plan waking up? <laughs> so you, you 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 practice waking up or paying attention. Not a lot of emphasis is because of the scriptures and that on. Jhanas and and developing states of concentration. So, so this we can feel. uh, You know, something we can relate to. um, Developing something, starting from the beginning, and and kind of increasing skills and and um, and getting better at it as we go along. Uh, That we we can recognize in the in our worldly experience. Uh, So, so that kind of. Procedure is is what we you know what we feel quite comfortable with. First stage, second stage, third stage. But waking up when we think we're awake um, because we, we we're not sound asleep but we can be lost in in our own you know in our own thoughts and feelings and that's what we mean not awake because that we're lost in the conditioning of the mind it takes us over and it and it goes around and around so the awakened mind is the bhutto the Buddha is a simple and it's an imminent act it's an internal. Uh, thing that can't be seen by anyone, but you know if you're awake when you are. That's why, like listening, I use that ability to listen. The sound of silence. The resonating, ringing sound of silence. When it's that poised state of attention Where, where before, before thought arises, or before you become anything, so that that is the awakened mind. The awakened mind isn't—it is not like it's busy doing something, uh, and and uh, or you have to do a lot uh, of practice to be able to awaken. It's a matter of recognizing it, of knowing. Uh, in, the, in the condition of the mind is to is to analyze and think about things, and so we want to know well the awakened state of mind. We want to have a description and a technique, and uh, and uh, like uh, what is its goal? What is its object? Uh, and have some kind of make it into into something complicated. But it's much more simple than that. Like listening. Paying attention in the moment. And learning to to trust that, to sustain that attentiveness. Not a, not paying attention, You're not, not like you have to pay attention to anything in particular, but just in that state of poised open awareness this there's, it's there's no th- there's not necessarily thought in it so in in uh, it is it, like it's it's a natural state before thinking arises so in uh, it in as you begin to to realize it more and trust it more, then it's, it, you, you you stick to it. At first, it's hard to stick to because the the momentum of wandering mind and that's so so strong. And but more and more, as you keep remembering it, like with the sound of silence, you can keep, use that as a as a sign where that your mind is in that state of attention. Just bear. Attention, poised attention in the present. And of course your, your, your mind will, can only maybe stay that way for a few seconds and then it'll go off again, but you keep returning to it, keep practicing this, and, and relaxing with it, not, not, the, the, because if you go into, I've got a I've got to get the sound of silence, and you're going to go at it with a lot of willpower. Then it uh, it doesn't work very well. It's not not something that uh, that works on that level of, of attaching to it, but of relaxing into it and the sense of not being anything. It's the you, you know, when, when that, that state of pure tension, when, you, when you're you not anybody, there's nobody. But it's not a state of uh, stupidity and uh, blindness. It's attention, you know, it's, it's intelligent. And it's natural, it's not a, it's not uh, a, a refinement of conscious, uh, conscious, of concentration. So in, in other religions like being trusting in God or, or the way that the, theistic religions teach, where you actually find that, you, you know, you maybe have a, have an idea or a, doctrine that you trust in gives you uh, gives you something to hold to something that is in, it, in, it, in its ideal form is perfect and then the danger as always uh, God gets uh, easily uh, translated into into our own uh, views and definitions isn't it you know, somebody what they think God is and there's so many different versions So, so in the Buddha's approach, not taking, not using a, 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 a doctrine, a metaphysical doctrine, but an, an experience of the ultimate. Or you say the experience of God. But then you get into, the people can get very upset with that. That's not Buddhist. So we forget that, and we... <laughs> We, we use things that uh, aren't, uh, you know, because we don't. We don't want to argue around or quibble about the terminology, but recognize the experience, realization. Then you have like I remember years ago I I when I was interested in when I first became interested in Buddhism and and. uh in in the United States at the time there there were no Buddhist groups anywhere and and I was trying to look for some some kind of organization to to get involved with some kind of religious organization they had this uh, self-realization society in uh, California so I wrote away for Information on self-realization. And of course they have, they talk about self-realization. And it's a kind of like a Hindu-based, uh, this, uh, biography of a yogi, that, 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 that man, that, that, uh, it's based on his teaching. And Atman, the idea of a, of a higher self, but in Buddhism we don't have, we, we, we frown at the higher self, uh, the Atman, poo poo Atman, higher self and God. Uh, because in our convention we, we've, we've kind of, we don't use those terms. Uh, so we're, we're looking for, oftentimes for, some something that can, you know, some kind of Buddhist word. That will uh, that will give us the same feeling, you know, because we want something to hang on to, like a ultimate reality. But that's pretty abstract, isn't it? Where God or self-realization, a little more, something has a little more heart to it. Ultimate reality, absolute, or um, the deathless—that doesn't do a lot. <laughs> kind of words that, that don't inspire the mind—a deathless, ultimate reality. well one time I heard somebody who was who was using the word dhamma. Some some uh, English lady uh, was talking about. Oh, the dhamma says this to me, and the dhamma says that to me, and I take refuge in the dhamma, and I. And I have faith in the dumb mind. When I have problems, I always consult the dumb mind. It's just like you substituting God for, you know, taking God out and putting dumb mind in, in, in it. Because there is a, a sense of, of, a, of a higher reality, isn't there? And, and, the, and a strong desire to name it, to, to, to have a concept of it. So you, you can get around it through saying Buddha nature, something like that, or uh, because then you can say anything. Even Buddha, then Buddha, uh, and uh, but then Buddha isn't. It never, never claimed to be a god or ultimate reality, or the, or the deathless. That's uh, uh, the. This contemplating, this this wanting, and this this desire to name something, to feel that you have to to have a perception, have a have a, a category, have a uh, have it labeled in some way, where uh, they the uh, and I've, I mean I'm speaking from my own experience. I have this strong drive to because I could I could I could relate to words like. Atman and higher self and, and and even God, but then there's this kind of relentless uh, Buddhist uh, attitude of not not doing that, and leaving it as the unknown, leaving it as like Ajahn Chah always say, always quote that budge way up up to be realized by the wise. Realized individually by the wife. So it's a realization. This is, this is, you know, it's a, it, it's a reality. It, it's realized. It's, it's directly known. It's not, and once you start trying to, to define it, and then, and then something, something is, a, is there's a, there's a bias. There's a, some kind of tendency to, diminish to put it in, in into uh, through a name through a perception so that the like the four noble truths uh, point to that through the through the investigation of suffering to the realization so the reality is now isn't it not not a, a, a matter of time ultimately Truth. Reality is now. So in terms of, of our own experience, is it to be indivi- realized individually by the wise. And then the, then the Buddha said, mindfulness, the path to the deathless. He said, Aplumar matapadang. Mindfulness or, or heedfulness, paying attention, is the way to the deathless. That is very clear, isn't it? The, the teaching of the Buddha is very clear. And so it's a matter of us applying that all the time, of, of paying attention. Of this awakened, awakening. so in uh, in the practice like of the satipatthana the the four foundations of mindlessness, that's that's awakening the mind to what's present like the body is now the the breath is now the silence is now the the the, the mood of the mind that is whatever it is it it's now and we're not and we're not uh judging it or or, or comparing it or, or making comments but just recognizing just the simple act of attention and and uh, and and and, re- and accepting what you're experiencing now so how do you do that <laughs> I recognize it's it's, 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 it's the most simple, but, uh, re- but also it's not easy because we're not simple. We're very complicated. We've got all kinds of needs and desires and, and uh, all kinds of fears and, and resentments and Problems and and I think modern Western people are you know or modern educated people tend to be very complicated because we 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 not we don't we don't you know we keep adding complications onto the already complicated conditions of of body and mind. The think becomes is like like the. Uh, to say let you should let go of everything and then you should let go of the idea of letting go and, and then you keep thinking well, if i let if i let go of everything and i let go of the idea of letting go and your mind boggles because then i've got to let go of the idea of the idea of letting go <laughs> take that to where you where <laughs> where you can the mind's completely uh, Nonplussed because it can't, it uh, uh, can't pursue it that far. But, but that's not the point. Is it's not thinking it out, but in realizing. Mm-hmm. Remember uh, having uh, having that insight when I was a samanera uh, uh, in nonkai. I I had that, and this, this, this kind of. Koan, which, how do you let go? And, and so I say, well, you let go by letting go. Well, how do you just let go? And, and so then I'd pick up something, you know. And they, they well, they like this this watch. And they, if I just sit here and say let go, and I don't let go, then I'm still holding on. They're let go. It's simple like they're just letting it go, and it's a, it, it's not it's, it's very simple. But in but the uh, but that's say with a with a physical object, but mentally, you know, how do you let go of feelings, emotional feelings, or obsessive thoughts? And uh, and because they, they tend to, when I letting go, to me then tended to be more like getting rid of, suppressing them, you know, trying to trying to destroy them. And that doesn't work. And the, that destro- destructive uh, desire to destroy is not letting go. So the the uh, then one keeps 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 contemplating this it's like paying attention what is that? and you you, instead of you know you can try to pay attention because you're attached to the idea that just pay attention that's all you have to do and you're attached to that idea and paying attention you know but that attention is through a grasping of an idea so there's this the uh, the way is not through the grasping of the idea or, or or any of the ideas or the teachings of the Buddha, but in letting them direct your attention to to remind you, to help you, to guide rather than to just then uh, than, than be teachings that you you try to uh, follow according to. through through grasping those teachings. So then, after I had an insight, I remember this powerful insight when I was a salmoneer, where I actually let go. I experienced a flash of letting go and of non-attachment. It was a powerful insight. It didn't last very long. It was immediately... The, the clinging was so, the habit of clinging was so strong, it just kind of, you know, if there's an empty, something empty, it kind of rushes in to fill it up. But there was a brief second of, of realization, of letting go. And so it, it's just, uh, at least I, I had a, a kind of breakthrough in that moment. And then I remember feeling, uh, after that, I, feel, I, I kind of remember falling on the floor of my cootie, crying, thinking, I can't do it, it's too difficult. It's too much, I can't do it. Mm. And uh, And that's my emotional reaction. Because uh, emotionally... Uh, it seemed, you know, the emotion, it wasn't, uh, it was, it was, obviously my emotional self was very threatened by that insight. And so, this, this emotional uh, reaction was, I can't do it, it's too much. <laughs> but then there was something also aware not to, not to believe that. That thing that cries and says you can 't do it there 's something like the sense beyond the sense there 's a knowing a kind of intuitive knowing that even when you 're in a state of of uh, you know oh i can 't do it, poor me there 's something that knows it that that 's not re- that not to believe it not to to uh, you know follow that. that's why you can't trust your emotions in terms of you know they they are conditioned and they are what they are but, and they, they say all kinds of things and and uh, have very strong you know reactions to experience but th- that awareness see, that uh, it's beyond the emotion and it's so that the emotion then is is uh, seen in terms of it's accepted and it's recognized and it's it's noticed but it's not grasped and I used to like, used to find interesting on these uh, uh, long flights that I get involved with where you you watch uh, uh, movies on the the flights where they play these uh, films and uh, just, uh, interesting when you, you, you observe, you know, how contemplate this watching of some, some, something that's going on on a, on a little screen, like uh, Virgin Airlines, and they travel of Virgin Airlines to the United States. You've got these little individual, um, television things, videos that come out of the seat. You've got your own private little screen right in front of you. It's about, this big tiny and <laughs> and, you, and you sit there and then they, they play some you know action film with Steven Seagull or Arnold Schwarzenegger or something you know, and all these kind of incredible things are happening on this tiny little square <laughs> and you completely absorb into it you know you forget <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> then you, then you, uh, you know, you're completely absorbed into it. And the, the romantic scenes and the funny—you laugh when they make jokes, and you, you, you kind of weep when the when the things go wrong and somebody dies, or the you feel this kind of up, this pity and rapture when the lovers meet and embrace, and the music. Uh, the violin music goes on and you and you you realize how emotionally you're conditioned to, to you know that that it is a, a conditioning thing where you you can you can actually cry and laugh and be frightened and be and 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 so forth just through this total delusion a tiny little squares in front of you as you're flying over the over the Hudson Bay. <laughs> Up in the sky, of frozen northern Canada, and you, you, you're, you're, you know, involved in this little square in front of your your eyes, uh, crying and laughing and and getting caught up, because emotions are like that, aren't they? They, they, they are, uh, uh, you know. We can, we can, like a a demagogue, can't they? they can can really. Uh, you know, knows how to wind you up, how to make you indignant, how to get you angry, how to how to turn you on, a good speaker, you know, and inspire you, like, and and say all the things that kind of make you, you want, all the things you want to hear, and uplift you, and make you indignant, and hate, you know, those racist kind of people in, can, can wind you up so that you hate this group and, and uh, hate the, the other political party or hate the English if you're Irish or whatever it's, just, it's a way of, 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 of winding up people turning them on, their emotional natures into, into and manipulating them so you get what you want from them So, so you know that's pathetic uh, state of humanity is that we we do get we get manipulated all the time. We do it to each other, to ourselves. So, in uh, in meditation, you're actually you know freeing yourself from all that delusion. So it's not not like a suppression of emotion or denial. But then the when we when we connect, when we realise. Ultimate truth, as experience, not as not as some idea that we hope to uh, realize. We can rest in that, and then then our uh, then we can respond to life in appropriate ways through compassion, through through love, through joy, and that rather than just be uh, caught in. In the, in the games, the idiotic games of, of, of the world. So the understanding of Dhamma doesn't make you kind of emotionally sterilized. You just totally, you have no feeling, but you're aware of the emotion. Like, like mean, uh, because I, uh, I don't, uh, generally watch movies or television or anything like that. You know, not according to our tradition when we don't seek those kind of situations out. But when you do, even those things come up, and the opportunities there, it's interesting to to just see the, the, you know, the, and you do feel, I feel, can still feel emotions coming through through these particular patterns that they arrange on, on these little screens. And that's part of our human human condition. That's not like I don't have emotions, but I no longer am lost by them. I'm no longer, uh, they're no longer the, they no longer have the impact and the power that they had before I understood them. I used to, you know, being brought up in the, in my generation was that like, uh, was the, you know, back in the pre-60s, you know, the 1930s, American men, the ideal was to be really tough and not feel. I was brought up that you shouldn't, men, um men never cry. The, is the uh, ideal for for uh, in America at that time if you're really if you're a real man you don't cry so um, and you hear that you hear that all the time when you were a little boy you know you'd cry and they, men don't cry and you kind of hold it back so you <laughs> you get these uh, kind of uh because you you know ideals you want to be a man you don't want to be a cry or a man that cries weak—that means you're weak. So you—you you don't want to be weak. You want to be strong. And these are the images. You know. So you—you you kind of—you feel embarrassed when you go to these movies, and you—and you cry. You hope you know nobody. You, you're grateful in a, in a theater where they—they they leave the lights down. For a few minutes after the last scene, <laughs> you can kind of recover yourself, <laughs> or you develop an incredible ability to repress everything, you know, to just hold it all back, and uh, which is what was considered strength at one time. Or is the strength more in the in the uh, in the knowing than in the Uh, refusing to cry. You know, the real strength uh, comes through understanding, not through just, uh, uh, you know, resisting. So the emotions are, you know, to me now, are they 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 kind of because i understand them then one needn't be afraid of them afraid of emotion not not anything to be afraid of because you're not, no longer trying to to control them to fit into a role that that you've been uh, uh has been held up to you as what what you should try to strive to become so in monastic life also to recognize that that uh... the, the samana monk or nun is to, to become a kind of a, some idea of a of a perfectly mindful uh... Human being, which, you know, when you think of it, it sounds oftentimes rather, you know, like you, you just, you're just totally indifferent to life. Don't feel anything. You just, uh, you just, uh, completely above it all, transcending the world. Or is it more, transcending the world more that you're, you're aware of what you are feeling? You awaken to what you are feeling in the present. That's how I experience it. I'm more aware than I was before. I, I, I'm aware of what I'm, I'm feeling. It's not that I don't feel, but there's more awareness and the subtleties of feeling. And the and the tendency to want to control or or. Uh, suppress or resist certain feelings. is awareness of that. I remember Ajahn Amr when he went to this meeting in Damsala several years ago, the Dalai Lama and, and this uh, English Bhikkhuni. Tenzin Pommel gave a, you know, talk to the Dalai Lama in front of all these uh, Western people about the atrocious conditions of, of nuns in the Tibetan tradition. And she described all the kind of miserable states and inadequate housing and, and uh, how they're looked down on and, and, and that she went in quite quite an emotional description I guess of the, the uh, pathetic status of, of women Thamanas in the Tibetan tradition and Dalai Lama cried interesting <laughs> because uh, you know you think oh, Dalai Lama would cry. You know the idea of a Dalai Lama is they probably wouldn't cry, <laughs> isn't it? He, he, he kind of that's a pretty high high title, isn't it? There's only one Dalai Lama. It's like the Pope or something, and you you know you build it up into your mind as, as some kind of Super, you know, reincarnated being that's very high. And then he cries over hearing the description of, of this uh, English nun. But well, maybe, you know, to, to, to me that was a sign of, of a, an openness of the mind where the emotion, what she said was sad. And sadness, we cry when there's sadness, is a natural reaction to to the sadness or the uh, pathos of, of experience there's a natural response but well, it wasn't I'm sure that you know it wasn't like lost in in weeping but it was a Totally overwhelmed by, by grief, but it was a natural response to hearing, uh, the, um, uh, sad news or sad, uh, hearing sad perceptions. Because that's the way the emotions work, Isn't that they, we, we feel, when you have rapture, pity and that, you, you feel tears, you know. Those are wholesome states. Pity, rapture is not a is not a it's a it's a it's a, uh, a factor of enlightenment. So it's not a not something that is uh, uh, you know from a, a, not a defilement of the mind. Karuna or or the feeling, the experiencing the willing to you know to. To empathize, to, to feel the experience of suffering of others. But it's not maudlin, or sentimental, or, or, uh, weak. It's not, not based on, on a kind of feeling sorry for, and, uh, and a kind of, uh, being sentimental about things. But it's, it's understanding our humanity uh, and being able to uh, appreciate the human the human gifts that we have and that appreciation comes not through uh, through identifying as a human being but in transcending through being through Realizing the deathless in where the human condition then is, is appreciated for what it is but is no longer, is no longer one's identity, one's attachment, one's limitation. So, in the the rest of this winter's retreat, just, you know, trying to keep, you know, contemplating and, and learning from your experience. Because, you know, we, we do get, it's easy to fall back in the old patterns and, and uh, you know, habits that we have. It's so easy to, to follow a habit because that's what a habit is. It's what we know how to do. We don't have to think about it that's easy just to, something we're used to and it's a habit just to do it because it, it's, even if it's a bad habit it's still easy to do you, it, you don't have to think about it that's why people have you know tend to find it difficult to give up bad habits even though they know it's not good for them to do that to do things like that because it's obviously bad habit. But it's easy to do. You don't have to. You, know, just, you just get caught in it and, and do it. No resistance to it. And so, but the, the way of a seminar isn't to resist and try to get rid of bad habits. But it's working on a more subtle level of recognizing, understanding, realizing. So that the the habits we do have are not we're not just trying to get rid of them bad habits, but in in trying to understand them, Then that takes a patience, a, a, a humble, a humility, a willingness to to accept something maybe we, that we don't like and don't want in ourselves, but it but in that willingness to accept it and and uh, feel it and let it be. Then we begin to realize it the uh, way of letting it go, of letting it be, and uh, and, the, and the peace that comes from, from letting go and from non-attachment. It comes clear, you have insight, and realization. So the, the reality is, is then is 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 known directly ultimate reality is known it's not you don't need a name for it you don't need a concept you don't need uh, it defined just like like uh, the idea of uh, people ask well then if i'm not the body and i'm not the the feelings, that I'm not the perceptions, and I'm not the mental formations. I'm not conscious. What am I? Who, who's aware of all this? I want to know. Who is it? What is it? What am I really? Because we we want we we feel uncomfortable with with the idea of non-self. Because we we, we recognize that we we take it to a kind of annihilationist. But, you know, logically it goes into a kind of an, a sense of annihilation or nihilism through, through thinking about it. But through realizing non-self is, uh, is relief, is realization. And so it's not like you don't need to know who you are. Uh, the Buddha says, know what you're not. Direct knowing is you see anatta. You know you're not. This is not me and my. And you're not just trying to convince yourself of that, but you're you're contemplating, you're looking, investigating, conditioned experience, and and uh, so that you you have that insight. You know profoundly. That the five khandhas are not our anatta, not self. What's left is the pure state of knowing, isn't it? And you don't need a name for that. That's your refuge. That's what you can say. That's what you really are. But then. The I'm really pure state of knowing, <laughs> attached to the idea. Again. <laughs> so the kind of uh, determination of the Buddha not to name it, is, is, as, as it quite psychologically, it's quite quite helpful to to give up trying to find oneself or find ultimate reality as uh, through an idea, through a as as if it were. Something you you could get, something you have to find. So I offer this as a reflection for this evening.